Hey, 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 who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary, and I am one of your hosts for this week's roundtable special. And also joining me is... Uh, Maria. Oh, hang on. Mark. <laughs> and I'm Mark. And we are your your hosts, I say your guests, your hosts for this month's roundtable. This is March, and we're going to do a bit of a change up this week. So my co-host, Adam... Uh, it's on a, we seem to be on a bit of a relay at the moment. So the week before last, I was busy doing stuff. I had a busy work week and some, some other stuff going on. Couldn't record this week. Fast forward. And Adam has now uh, got some stuff on, so he can't make recording this week. So as a bit of a coinkydink, a nice coincidence, it was our week to record our monthly roundtable. So we might as well just slot that in very nicely into the usual weekly slot. So it's been very cool to be joined by, you guys know them by now. You know our round table. So there's a few people missing. So uh, Harry, Jordan, um, and uh, and like I said, Adam, they're not here at the minute. So they're here with us in spirit, though. And uh, I'm sure they've got some thoughts on what we talk. I'm sure they're going to listen back to this episode and be like, mm, I should have been on that recording because what you've either said is wrong or <laughs> something you've said uh, is not something I agree with. So we might get their thoughts as a bit of a catch up on the next one. But yeah, you know these guys by now. So we've got Maria, we've got Matt, we've got Mark. And so the theme for this month's roundtable is the Sea Devils. We thought it'd be a good one to jump into and talk about some classic stuff as we're sort of in the run-up now to the penultimate, I think it's the penultimate special for Jody's Doctor. And it's going, uh, the next one is going to be Legend of the Sea Devils, which uh, we assume is around Easter time. So what better time to, to do a bit of a, a walk down memory lane, talk about some of the some of the moments from the previous two main stories. So we're going to focus mainly on the the third Doctor story, um, the the Sea Devils, and the fifth Doctor story, uh, Warriors from the Deep. There's a bunch of other stuff, obviously. There always is with who, as you guys know. There's a stuff with Big Finish with the Sea Devils. There's comics. There's some books and so on. So we're not going to dive too heavily into that unless these guys want to. So we're going to focus on those two stories. And then towards the end, we'll do a wee bit of a... Um, uh, a wee bit of a what we look forward to. You know, what do we want to see in the upcoming special featuring these classic monsters? But before we get on to all that, remember to follow this podcast in your fave podcast app so you don't miss a show when it lands every single Friday. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. There are links on the website, which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk, and you can listen to all of these episodes for free over there. Plus, you can check out all of the cool reviews and articles and opinion pieces from these guys on the website as well. We have a free Discord server. Again, the link is on the website. Jump over and uh, sign up and chat Doctor Who with other Who fans over there. And this is where I usually do Adam's YouTube stuff. So I better do that. I don't want to get in trouble because he will listen and take notes, etc. So remember to check out Adam's channel over on YouTube. It's called The Geek's Handbag. And uh, he's on the socials too under the same name. So go and do that. So before we crack on with the Sea Devils stuff proper, let's see how you guys are doing. Maria, how are you doing at the moment? You all good? Yeah, I'm great, Gary. Thank you. Um, yeah, busy, busy couple of weeks um, at work, but yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. And it's been beautiful weather as well, so can't complain really. Mm, busy, busy. But yes, the sun has come out the last few days, which is nice, which is always good. So those of you listening not in the UK, this is quite rare for us. We've only literally, we're literally about to clock into April. And at this time of year, you know, before we wreck the planet, of course, this time of year, it's normally, it was sort of grey and a bit cold still. But yeah, it's good. The sun's out, which is great. How are you doing, Matt? You old bugger? 
Good, thank you, Gary. Yeah, very well. Um, as a same as Maria, I'm really busy, but um, aren't we all at the moment? But I did manage to slot in some uh, classic Who this week, so um, I can officially say I've done my Doctor Who related items for this week. Um, I've been checking out some of season twenty-two, old Colin. Uh, been uh, delving into that, and um, obviously checking out the two stories that we're um, going to dive into today nice you done your homework good <laughs> good good stuff mark how are you doing friend you're good i'm good thank you gary <laughs> uh i'm i'm clearly suffering with the uh, mute button uh yeah not too bad thanks um <laughs> i haven't done my homework um unfortunately but i feel like i feel like i know the sea devils in particular like the back of my hand so i'm i'm looking forward to being proved spectacularly lo- wrong as the podcast <laughs> goes on well, that's okay. I've done half of my homework. So I watched The Sea Devils a couple of days ago, but I've not watched recently Warriors of the Deep. Warriors from the Deep, of the Deep, in the Deep, at the Deep, from the Deep. Warriors of the Deep. It is of, isn't it? Yeah. I've not watched that one recently. So I've kind of half done it, which is all good. So a couple of us are flying by the seat of our pants, and a couple of us are going to be very knowledgeable. And know what they're talking about, ish. And everybody, you can't, you can't see this, dear listener. But everybody just did that. Yeah. We'll see how that goes, Gary. See how that goes. Right, yeah. Let's kick off then with some classic story. Then, so Mark, coming to you because uh, you have done your homework, and you're not going to mess anything up. What do you prefer, Sea Devils or Warriors of the Deep? Oh, come on. That's a, that's a fairly easy question. Um, the Sea Devils, uh, the Warriors of the Deep, or From the Deep, or In the Deep, or, uh, is ghastly, uh, quite ghastly. frankly, but we'll come to that, we'll come to that later. Okay, so you, you are, it's Warriors of the Deep. I've got that confirmed via Wiki, so we're okay. all good. Okay, so the Sea Devils for you. Matt, what about you, dude? Which one do you prefer? Uh, so I had not seen either of them until this week before um and it's it's a landslide sea devils all the way not mm. warriors rolling in the deep or anything <laughs> like that okay interesting and maria i know what you're going to say but what do you prefer uh i i i okay i think um i do actually prefer the sea devils um i haven't really been able before to kind of do a comparison side by side but because i watched both stories this week it's um it's been really interesting to kind of compare them. Um, but yeah, I think I think the Sea Devils, for different reasons, um, I'll agree with the others, yeah. Hmm, interesting. I feel like I need to go to bat for Warriors of the Deep just to balance it out a little bit. I mean, yeah, I mean, who doesn't like a trip to old uh, Sea Base 4 and, uh, and dealing with that stuff? It's a double whammy, though, Warriors of the Deep. You get the Sea Devils and you get... Uh, their cousins, their brothers, whichever re- relation. I don't. What's the what's the family tree with the Silurians and the Sea Devils? Because they're very, they're pretty much the same species, right? But one's been adapted for, you know, obviously one for land, one for sea. I think that's a, what it boils down to. I believe, anyway. So I feel like I need to go to bat for Warriors of the Deep. I think I'm going to have to do that because I'm not sure what Jordan or um or Harry would have gone with. Probably the Sea Devils, knowing those two, yeah. Although I'm not sure on Harry. Harry might have been a curveball. 
But yeah, I'll go with Warriors of the Deep. Not because I like that one over the Sea Devils, but I feel like I need to go to bat for old Pete. So yeah, I'll do that. All right, then Maria, why do you like, in a bit more in, a bit more in-depth then, uh, is it because Pertwee's performance? Is it because the overall story? Or is it because you just think it was a good introduction for them as classic monsters in Who? Um, it Okay, it feels, it feels like the Sea Devils is actually a better thought out story, if that kind of makes sense. I mean, obviously, there's lots of different elements in the story, but it, it, it feels everything around it. So all the kind of nice stuff, all the location stuff and everything, it kind of works with the concept of the Sea Devils, you know, the idea of them, you know, wanting to reclaim their earth i suppose and um they just they actually for the time they actually look really well designed um mm. and I, I think that is kind of that's that's one of the drawbacks i think warriors of the deep um i just find the actual costumes in that are kind of maybe because of how you know because it's a it's it's set within it's it's obviously a studio-based production and it just it the cost just don't really stand up to a lot of scrutiny I think um in the warriors of the day whereas I think that they actually feel more convincing in the sea devils um just on a mm. just on a kind of visual aspect I I do I do actually prefer it for that reason I mean, if we're just talking specifically about the monsters themselves um you know I think I think the the concept of them is 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 a lot better the idea um you know that um, you know that they're kind of working in in uh, partnership with the master as well. You know because he's he's quite a manipulative character, so you know he's kind of there, kind of stirring the pot a little bit. And I just I just like the way they look. I suppose um, uh, why would uh, I suppose the other things about the Sea Devils as well is um, it is a six parter, um, and I suppose if I'm honest, there are bits of it that kind of um a bit of padding in the middle but i think i, I think the the idea the ideas in the in the story are actually really good i mean obviously you've got the bits with the master and um you know the manipulation that he has and you know obviously uh he's the the doctor and joe go to visit him in prison and i and i like that kind of relationship that the the doctor and the master have you know and and you know and there's all the all the all the kind of action set pieces, I suppose, which which really work, you know, because it's obviously set on the coast and it's it's got all the right elements, I think, as a story to kind of feel as realistic as it as it can be for a sea devil story. Um, I, I suppose Warriors of the Deep kind of struggles in that way, you know, because of because of the 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 setting you know um even though it's set in a sea base it it kind of just doesn't it, it doesn't uh it, it doesn't excite me in the same way i suppose um mm. uh yeah I, th- I think i prefer it and obviously you've got john pertwee who is you know the action hero he's, he's jumping in and out of different um uh, what is it hovercrafts mm-hmm. and uh what's those what's those things on the water that they were using the what do, what <laughs> do you call them Boats? the 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 things when they were when they were riding on the water sorry it's gone out of my head i can't remember what they're called but um yeah i, I don't know there's just something about it i suppose um for a six-parter it, it actually 
holds its story pretty well. You know, there's something happening in every episode, whereas I think with Warriors of the Deep, it kind of takes a long time to kind of get started as a story. I mean, you know, you've got lots of wandering around for the first episode, whereas this is kind of, it, it feels like each episode kind of stands up for the mm. most part. And I, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's why I really enjoy the Sea Devils. You know, nice. and obviously you could see you can see the relationship between Joe and um, uh, and the third Doctor is really strong as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's lots of elements in it that I enjoy. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so I think uh, the the scene you're talking about is when they jump on the jet skis. Jet skis, yeah. yeah, that's the yeah. thing I was trying. To, that's the thing I was thinking of, and I couldn't remember. Yeah, <laughs> jet skis. Yeah, so I think initially the script had it as just a standard speedboat kind of. Uh, chase but it was actually john pertwee that didn't have it he was like no we have to do something better than just a boat so let's hire some jet skis and no stuntmen so that was fun but yeah nice rundown maria that's cool okay mark uh for you then some stuff that you like or not just like but maybe dislike about the uh the sea devils why is that why is it your pick for this one over warriors of the deep um Partly nostalgia. I mean, this was the first um, John Pertwee story I ever watched. Um, oh, wow. Back in 1992, it was the one that, or three, I think it would have been two. Um, they chose it as the kind of repeat um, run that BBC Two did at that point, which I think is how a lot of Doctor Who fans of my age got into Doctor Who. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so this was the first third Doctor story. So it's always had that kind of that special place in my heart um, because of that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, but I mean, it still stands up now. Like, you know, like I've watched it so many times since and I still always find like new things to enjoy in it. Um, f- you know, for example, like Joe bribing the guy so that she, you know, she can get a motorbike and get back into town and stuff like that. It's, there's just lovely little touches and it's just this, this really warm production you can just tell everybody's friends with each other. You can tell that John Pertwee is just absolutely in his element back, you know, with the Navy, which is, you know, where, where he did his service, you, you know, um, during the war. Um, so it's just, there's just something really infectious about the kind of production of it. I think before you even get to the story, um, I think that I think for me anyway, is, is, is what kind of sells it. Um, and I think it's, it's quite an influential Doctor Who story, I think, in terms of how it portrays the Doctor and the Master's relationship. You know, it's been hinted at kind of in series um, eight, but I think here it's it, you do get a sense of no, they are they do actually kind of like each other. Um, mm. That that's the thing, and I think this is has been such a such an influence on Stephen Moffat in particular in how he wrote. Um, the Twelfth Doctor and, and Missy. Um, so there's that element of it as well. And it just looks amazing. Like all the location stuff is just fantastic. There's so much iconic imagery in it, which you don't get. Well, you do get in the Warriors of the Deep for the wrong reasons. Um, you know, the sea devils coming out of the water, the all the stuff in the oil rig, you know, the sea devil kind of lurching behind the Doctor and, you know, at the, the end of part one, I think it is. Whereas, you know, Warriors of the Deep, what's it got? It's got a whole episode, which is essentially, well, the Silurians kind of melting through a wall. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's like the whole of part two is that they're trying to get through that wall mm-hmm. and then they get mm-hmm. through the wall. 
and there's just no pay I, you know and it's a four it's a shorter story but it feels longer as a result and i think because of the fact that it's studio bound because of the fact it's just quite drab boring white walls whereas the sea devils it's like it's at a navy base there's a minefield there's a prison they're on jet skis they're on oil rigs it's you know it's it's properly that kind of six part thing that terence sticks and barry Letts used to do so well as sort of script editor and producer is you you've got to kind of constantly have something interesting happening in each episode because you know i think what everybody always forgets with doctor who is that it wasn't designed to be watched in like one go mm-hmm. you know it was designed to be watched over six weeks and 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 they really understood that i think that's well, yeah, I mean, if you're watching it together, it can feel like padding. But actually, it's just to keep people tuning back in because next mm-hmm. week there's going to be some jet skis or, you know, things like that. So, yeah, it's just, I think it's one of those, it's this point they're just firing on all cylinders um, for, during the Pratwee era. They just know exactly what they want to do with the show. Um, and it's just a joy to watch, really. Mm. I haven't even talked about the Sea Devils themselves, which are obviously great. <laughs> they're obviously great yeah that's cool no Ridge, i think a lot of people agree with that and it's um the cool thing that i i like about the sea devils is that it feels like a bond movie that's split into six parts it's got that proper old action based lots of location lots of cool um sort of character progression as you go through the story it's not just about oh no there's a monster coming out of the water let's run away there's a lot more um to it which is cool good answer dude yeah nice one matthew why do you like the sea devils over warriors of the deep Let's have it. So yeah, as I said um, previously, the, the before this week, I hadn't seen any of them, and I I, I, I can't believe that they've only been in two stories. Um, yeah, everybody who knows about Doctor Who has heard of the Sea Devils. Yeah, you talk about some others that have been in it more, and they've not been heard of. Um, so I, I I think they're they've got this iconic feel to them without um, really having much screen time. I know that the extended media um, has had a lot to play in that field. Um, but also, I, I, when I did sit down and watch watch them um, for the first time, um, I, I got to admit, I, I didn't feel like there was any padding whatsoever. I sat there and watched all six parts at once um, and didn't look at my phone once which wow. I, I got to admit, I normally do with classic who when it gets to episode three or four. <laughs> um, but I didn't, uh, and I was, I was amazed. I, I feel like the story just progressed nicely the entire way through. And like Mark and Maria said, there's something in it on every episode to keep you entertained. Um, I know you could argue that there's a lot of, okay, let's go back to the naval base. Okay, now we have to go back to the prison and then back and forth, sort of. But I think it kind of works because the everything else is there. Um, I also, I feel like Casey Manning and John Pertwee just work so well together um, that it's it's a delight to watch them on screen. You You feel their friendship, their real friendship coming through on screen constantly. Um, and I know having met Katie back along, she, she just, she had nothing but amazing things to say about John. And you could tell that they were best friends go on holiday together all the time. And anyway, I also 
I find this uh, the story fascinating um, with the idea that they got the Royal Navy in to help with the episode, with the story, um, and a lot of the extras that we would assume were just extras brought in and put in Royal Navy costumes were actually Royal Navy officers, um, which I thought was great. And uh, they were so convincing with the model of the submarine that the Royal Navy went to the BBC and thought it was this secret submarine and they got in trouble for it. And then they had to prove that it was a model, um, which I thought was brilliant. Uh, but I just really, really enjoyed the story. Uh, and with Warriors of the Deep, it dragged, even though, like Mark said, it's a shorter story, but it felt much longer. Every episode, it felt like it could have been two episodes made into four felt like six um i've i've never really been that big of a fan of turlo so i i don't know if that helped or not um but I, it just didn't work for me and i felt that the sea devils in particular had hardly anything to do than run around and shoot people and then die that was it they were the henchmen, um, really, for the sea, uh, for the uh, Silurians, really, weren't they? They were, they it were was kind of yeah. Like, but they're like a henchman. They were just there to kind of go off and do this thing, be a good soldier and kind of go and do it. And that was such a shame, actually. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. They didn't really get to do very much in um, Warriors of the Deep. I mean, they, they actually, like, I don't know, their design looked kind of Japanese, you know, like a kind of samurai kind of warrior. Yeah, it did. Which I, yeah. Which yeah. I, didn't, which I didn't mind, actually. I thought it looked quite good, but um, it, it felt like maybe you shouldn't have had both of them in the story because, um, obviously, you had the Silurians already and, um, you know, they, they could have just pushed the action on their own, really. They didn't really need the sea devils there. Um, so, yeah. Mm. But in the Definitely. in the Warriors of the Deep, we get the um, we get a Merka, right? The old uh, the Merka. Come on. Uh, what was the point of that? <laughs> what was the point? <laughs> it's always. I really, hope I, they bring, I, I really hope they bring it into Legend of the Sea Devils. Because <laughs> it's about Chinese pirates. You know, there's I think there's lots of like high seas swashbuckling action. You could see like I I could see them attempt to do the murka but like good <laughs> like a proper sea monster that you know is attacking a ship we'll see we'll see but yeah. um I, I do yeah it's dreadful it's dreadful <laughs> i do feel sorry for them really because um you know if if you if you kind of realize that you know they were still painting the thing you know just not that long before they had to actually shoot it and you know there was green paint going everywhere you do kind of feel sorry for the for the people behind the scenes that were trying to make it realistic and and you know they get the two guys from rent a ghost which is kind of you know absolute classic <laughs> casting you know to kind of try and move this thing um i mean on its side it didn't actually look too bad but when it when it kind of stood up and it was kind of moving i think they they could have kind of maybe just not shot it the way they did um and it, it might have looked okay in in a certain light you know if they kind of turn the lights down it might have looked half decent mm. but um that's the that's the problem nobody in 80s doctor who until graham harper understands the concept of atmospheric lighting you know mm -hmm. um 
And it's just, yeah, the, the direction of Warriors of the Deep is insane because surely you would, as a director, you would be presented with that thing and go, right, how the hell can we hide this? <laughs> like, what tricks can we employ to kind of make this look less bad? Yeah. But no, it's just like, no, let's just whack up all the lights, <laughs> shoot it kind of dead on, you know, frame it right in the center of the screen so you can see all of its imperfections, all of its flaws. It's crazy to me that, that a director would choose to do that. But there we go. That's 80s Doctor Who. Yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? I was going to say, that actually, the um, when you look at any of the um, set, well, most of it is a set, but um, yeah, the, the lighting has just got one setting. It's just on or off there's no um there's no atmosphere or mood lighting and that that was just the trap that they fell into i think especially in davison's era where uh i don't know it was like cinematographers like well we don't have to worry about that save some time on all that gump just worry about you know the story no there's a there's a a a little bit of merit in that i suppose you don't want to waste all your time and money but at the same time there's surely you know there's some artistic uh benefits to having at least someone to say are you sure you know this big rubber suit thing that looks like a you know the a repainted donkey from last year's uh school nativity play are you sure we don't want to just darken this up a bit a bit of you know like they did with um uh that tom baker story um uh, talents of Wang Chiang. Whenever they're in the sewers and you see like the rats and all that sort of stuff going on, it's almost pitch black. So they're just focusing on the atmosphere. It's just you don't want to shoot that thing in daylight or in like you know bright studio lights. It would just look ridiculous. You just want to create a bit more of a yeah. You almost want to um, shoot it in a way that you kind of see it, but the viewer's mind makes up the rest of what the monster would look like. You want to try and employ. I think that's Mark saying. You just want to employ that kind of clever sort of film and tv making methods to make it look a bit more yeah so the only time it looks cool is when i think it's i think towards the end where it meets its demise where it's um you know when it gets stuck in the ultraviolet light generator thing and there's a big effect on it and stuff and you know that's not too bad and having said that, there's a couple of things the- are okay like with a bit of the scene where davison's swimming underwater you know that was a cool little you know bit and so they've there's a couple of bits in there, but I totally get what you guys are saying. It's very static and it's very, you know, the lights are on and that's it. I, d- I did actually like that cliffhanger. I, I thought it was a it was a really good one. Um, but what made me laugh is um, the doctor goes into the water and Turlow immediately assumes that he's dead. <laughs> you know, Tegan's doing her best trying to trying to help him out. And, it, you know, it's kind of like so dramatic. Oh, no, Tegan. He's dead. He's drowned, and off they go. And that kind of made me really laugh because you know he hadn't even hit the. He'd only just hit the water, so you know they didn't even wait around to see if he was okay. Off, <laughs> off Turlow goes, and I think Turlow had a really bad story in this, um, in this one because he didn't really do very much. He was kind of a bit, kind of surplus, really. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a shame. But I did like that cliffhanger. I thought it was a good one. Yeah, it wasn't, um, wasn't too and, bad. Yeah. Uh, why don't you like um, Turlow? Sorry, sorry, Maria, go on. Why, why don't I like Turlow? No, I was going to ask I, Matt that question, but I don't think you like him too much either. Uh, actually, I, I think he, he was a good concept, but I think once, um, once he's kind of had, um, you know, the, the arc with the, 
Black Guardian and the White Guardian, um, you know, there wasn't really very much um, left to do with him, um, really. It's, it's a shame because I think the actor's actually, you know, a good actor. Um, I, I, I'm just a bit kind of disappointed because I suppose the idea of a um, an assassin within the TARDIS is actually not a bad one. I, mm. I just think, you know, they kind of ran out of ideas about what to do with him and he came across a little bit snarky at times. And, you know, and him and Tegan, because they're quite, you know, Tegan's quite a strong character. I don't think they they kind of necessarily gelled together. Mm. Um, I, I don't mind him, actually. I, I, I don't mind him. But I think sometimes there's not enough for him to do as a character. And, that, you know, that's a shame. You know, he does suffer in some of the stories. Um, I think this one definitely, because he because from what I remember from watching it the other night, he 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 just kind of is in the background for a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and even Tegan, who's quite a strong character, doesn't really get that much to do. Um, you know, it's, which is a shame really. Yeah. No, agreed. I think you mentioned earlier, Matt, that you're not a fan of Turlo. Why is that? Very much echoing what Maria just said. Um, but then again, I haven't had, um, a full crack at the whip with Turlo because I haven't seen, all of his all of his stories oh, okay so yep. it might be a little bit harsh for me to say i don't really like him that much if i know mark <laughs> mark has an opinion um that I'm, I'm sure i want to share but um yeah no he does every time i've seen him he, he spends his whole time arguing with everybody else and i'm I, that is purely <laughs> based on the writing I, uh, i'm sure um and the fact that as maria said Tegan and Turlo are so alike that they're, they're going to butt heads and they do constantly. And if he's not doing that, he's arguing with the doctor um, and they didn't know what to do with him. Like you say, after the, after the guardian um, sort of arc came to an end, they, they didn't know what uh, it, it felt to me like there wasn't enough left in the character to flesh out. So it, he was a bit stagnant. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's um, one of the trade-offs with having a busy TARDIS team with Adric, um, Tegan, and um, the quiet one versus, um, you know, having a smaller TARDIS team, which a lot of people prefer. A lot of people prefer having just one or two companions. They think it makes for a better story. But then if you haven't got the substance within the character, then you almost want someone else to come in and sort of create a bit more of a, a dynamic um grouping i suppose between the doctor and your companions so it's weird isn't it a bit of a trade-off there but mark strickson's pretty good as uh as turlo but i agree the character just kind of didn't feel like it had the legs after you know his sort of turning point with the guardian stuff uh i know mark's come on dude you've got an opinion on turlo i'm we're sure of it what you got um yeah i uh, we've not got enough time for me to go into all my issues with turlo but um I'll boil it down to one thing. Um, Maria's right. It's a good concept. But the problem is, is that in the Davison era, nobody wants to be there anyway. So throwing in a, a character <laughs> that's, that's, you know, an assassin or a, like a, an anti-companion, it doesn't work because everybody hates their time on the TARDIS. So he just kind of blends into the background. Oh. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. If like, and the thing I don't understand is that Janet Fielding and Peter Davison are so brilliant together. that The ideal scenario would have just been to go, okay, well, Sarah Sutton's contract's not being renewed. Let's just keep Janet and Pe Peter together. 
you know, mm. and actually maybe flesh out the relationship and actually kind of sort of have this kind of thing where like that sort of slightly, you know, um, fractious relationship that they got actually, you know, like a kind of 10th Doctor and Donna thing where like, now they're actually mates, but, you know, they can, they can you know, take the mick mm. out of each other and all that kind of thing. Um, but instead they throw Turlow in. And I think the problem is you've not established that Keegan and the Doctor like each other very much. Um, you've kind of established that Nissa and the Doctor do, but but not to this extent that... Because by throwing Turlow in there, you, you kind of want that narrative thing of he, like, upturns the apple cart and, like, upsets the TARDIS dynamic. And he never does, never does. All the, Even in the Black Guardian trilogy, he's just kind of there and occasionally pick up a rock to try and brain Peter Davison, but that's about it. So yeah, it's a it was a wasted opportunity. Mm. Who'd you prefer though, Turlo or Adric? Adric, hundred percent. Hundred percent. And I'll tell you for why, because actually the the Adric fourth doctor relationship's really good. Oh, he only becomes stuff. rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. He only becomes rubbish when uh, Peter Davison comes in. No, I'm not blaming Peter Davison. I'm just saying it that sounds like it. Dude. Something happens with the character. Jesus. And the writing of the character, I think it's probably just more a production team issue, but it just kind of just doesn't work. It do, two young people arguing doesn't work when Adric is a kind of young student to Tom Baker's older doctor. It works quite well, but mm. yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Peter. I'm sorry. I know you listen as, as usual. I'm going to bat for you though, buddy, on this week. It worries are deep in your doctor. So yeah, I'll stand He's up for you. not listening anymore if he was listening. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, Turlo or Adric? Adric. Adric for sure. Mm. Maria? Definitely. Oh, gosh. Um, that's, that's an unusual question. Um, oh, God. Oh, who would I prefer? Okay, I'll go for Adric as well. I mean, he's an annoying little twerp, really, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I suppose, you know, um, he, he tried, um, I don't know, they're both, they're both (laughs) completely different. Um, it's a difficult one to kind of pick one, one against the other. Um, yeah, I, okay. I'll go with Adric. Interesting. Hmm. This is the only podcast where I think anybody's ever shown any preference and love towards Adric over another character. So that's kind of cool. But who would have thought that on a podcast about, something as cool as the Sea Devils. We're talking about Turlo and Adric. It's taken a turn. Let's bring it back round. One thing that I do like, actually, way better than Warriors of the Deep for the Sea Devils is the experimental soundtrack, which is very cool. Now, a lot of people are turned off by it because it sounds very, um, you know, it's too sort of electronic and synthesized and it's too quirky and out there, but I really like it. It's one of those little... It's nothing too crazy, but it's one of those things that definitely stays in your head after you've watched it, especially that little bit, you know, whenever you see the sea devils that are about to, you know, come into a scene or something, whether there's a sort of a wide panning shot and you see one off in the distance, you hear that kind of, can't really do it, but it's like a, it's like a strange little audio, you know, little theme that they have for them. So I really like the music for that. And it's, um, I think it plays into what we were talking about in a kind of way with the with Warriors of the Deep, where the Sea Devils feels very everything was bespoke for the story. So all of the, you know, you can tell that they did their homework with all the location scouting and as Matt was saying, drafting in the Navy to do all that stuff. 
the amazing creature design, the relationships between the Doctor and the Master and the Doctor and Joe is all very good. Warriors of the Deep, sorry Peter, block your ears just for 30 seconds, it feels like it's very stock. Like let's just use the same set that we used last week on another story, we'll just move the barriers around a little bit and give it, you know, we'll move that silver looking shelf thing to the other side of the metal steps and you know everything's cool and the music feels very stock it doesn't really stay in your head afterwards and the store is kind of forgettable to a degree that sort of thing so sorry peter yeah you can listen now but yeah so that's i really like the soundtrack for the sea devils but um is it before we move on to like some stuff that we want to see in the newer one are there any other thoughts from you guys around uh like um standout moments that you want to carry over so is this is there like a you know a, a certain I- concept from those stories go on mark well i just i just wanted to kind of just jump onto what you were saying about the soundtrack um because i think what's really interesting about it is that the soundtrack for the sea devils is it's kind it's not well it's not quite before its time but it's certainly at the forefront of kind of like brian eno and and sort of artists like that um and then when you get to um warriors of the deep where that has become like a fairly, you know, you've got Tangerine Dream, you've got all these like bands that have been really influenced by that stuff and are pushing that stuff in like really new directions. The Warriors of the Deep soundtrack doesn't feel as kind of forward looking and as like futuristic as as the Sea Devils one does. It's really strange, um, given how much time has passed and how much music has changed in, in the interim period. But that was just a kind of nerdy music <laughs> thing I wanted to throw in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. So it was still the um, it was still the Radiophonic Workshop, I think, that were overseeing that stuff at the time. But it was Malcolm Clark, I think, was the composer. He sort of put himself out on the ledge a little bit and said, "Actually, why don't we do some some really interesting stuff? Let's not do the typical, you know, stuff that we've had so far." So I I really fun, appreciate that. Yeah. Fun fact about Malcolm Clark, um, which I discovered when I think the last time I did any research on the Sea Devils was. The, apparently, I think I, I don't know if this is true, but this is a kind of urban legend around Malcolm Clark and the, the Radio Four Night Workshop. Um, Blue Peter was scheduled to do um, some episode about I can't remember. I think it was like an in, like ancient Egypt, and the British Museum had brought this like ancient Egyptian instrument that nobody had nobody had heard, nobody had played for centuries. And it was very much like, do not touch, you know, do not do anything. Um, the story goes that Malcolm Clark snuck into the, B- the Blue Peter Studios after after the office closed, nicked the instrument, recorded the sounds of it, <laughs> and then just kept it for his own use um, during, in the Radio Morning <laughs> Workshop, which I think is great. Yeah, that's I just, amazing. I love that. Yeah, that's amazing. I thought you were going to say after he had a few beers then, not after being in the office, but yeah, either or. Bigger set of balls um, after a few beers to go and do that, but nice, go on, Maria. Um, I, no, I was just going to say, I, you know, I'm glad you guys um, like the soundtrack um, to the Sea Devils. I, I mean, for me, I I have to be honest, that's the only thing about the story that I don't like. I, I don't know whether it's because I'm, you know, particularly sensitive, but I I kind <laughs> of find all that kind of really electronic stuff that's happening. It's it's kind of very jarring, I think, for me personally. That's the only thing I don't like about the story. And I, I do actually prefer the more gentle kind of Warriors of the Deep kind of soundtrack. Because um, mm. it, it doesn't kind it it's in the background rather than kind of front and centre, which um, the Sea Devils incidental music is. Um, but um, 
aside from that, I mean, you know, the Sea Devils is a fantastic story. I mean, to be fair, I just can't watch it very often unless I turn the volume down. <laughs> unless you turn the volume down. <laughs> Okie dokie. So I think the um, the scales are, are are firmly weighted over into the, the side of the Sea Devils. The more that we talk about it, let's talk about the upcoming story then. Legend, legends, legend. I'm going to give up. Legend of the Sea Devil, let's just call it that, Sea Devils. Matt, are you looking forward to this upcoming story, not just because it's a special, but because the Sea Devils are present? And is there anything that you want to see in this story, specifically to the Sea Devils? I'd, I'd like to see, I'd like to know a little bit more about their backstory and maybe see a little bit more. Um because I know that it's it's kind of explained, but it'd be it'd be great to have like a flashback and 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 see, um, as well as 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 kind of know a little bit, but not too much. I know with expanded media, it's um, it, it's obviously probably been delved into. I haven't um, listened to any uh, big finish or or read the comics with the Sea Devils in, but I'm sure it has. Um, plus, also new Doctor Who, new Doctor Who on the <laughs> telly. I mean. It's always something to look forward to. Um, I really like the design of them. Uh, more so now I've seen the previous design. Because mm. obviously I had an idea of what they were in, in my head, um, just as you do as a, as a Doctor Who fan. But now I've watched the two stories, um, I like how they've updated without changing completely like they did with the Cybermen. Um mm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a subtle changes to the design. I think it works really well, um, and I just hope that uh, uh, is this one written by Chris Chibnall? I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I hope that he, I hope that he does them justice. Mm. We're all hoping for that, buddy. Yeah, I think I think that's really what I'm hoping for most is that they're they're not used um, as kind of. Henchmen, like Maria said, um, with Warriors of the Deep, that they they have really um, a really good crack at the whip mm. in the story. That's fair enough, dude. Yeah, we don't want to. Uh, we certainly don't want to see uh, a different alien or a different monster or somebody there that's sort of present in the story and is controlling them. So they're just you know lackeys and stuff like that. Unless, of course, they mimic the the Sea Devils and the Masters back. And he's in cahoots with them. So they, yeah, that could be an interesting one. But uh, Mark, looking forward to this one, dude? Yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I've kind of really come around to um, the era with sort of flux. Um, so yeah, I'm quite excited for it. And I think it's it's so great that the Sea Devils, I think, are possibly the, the only, aside from the Daleks, the only kind of classic Doctor Who monster that has come back looking pretty much like they looked you know when they when they first arrived obviously the Daleks were just kind of they're brass they're just a bit bulkier and a bit more metally but um and again with the Sea Devils it's just the 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 headpiece is just a little bit more refined um slightly darker it looks great um I'm intrigued because I I I feel like obviously knowing it's about pirates and stuff like that I can't help but feel that this Sea Devil is going to be some kind of pirate captain that was like woken up early or something like that and is kind of just separated from his 
his tribe and he's kind of just been like making a life for himself <laughs> on the high seas because just the way he's dressed in the trailer um the fact it's kind of just him on his own um he's kind of striding out of this house does kind of suggest there's a different take on it than we've kind of seen before um so yeah i'm really really looking forward to it and i think um i, I think in terms of kind of chris chibnall writing it i'd I, do, I think I've, I think I'm remembering this correctly. Um, so there was obviously there's this is there was an extra special for the centenary, which is also obviously going to be Jodie Whittaker's last story. So obviously they they kind of would have then retooled Chibnall's plan for her departure um, for the centenary. So I think this the Sea Devils one is actually just his kind of last like well what have I not done. Now that I've been given this extra episode, like what have I not done? I'd quite like to bring the Sea Devils back. Let's let's do that. So I think sometimes when when a writer is just doing something because they want to do it, you, there's a lot of fun involved in that, and they kind of challenge themselves a bit more to kind of give you something that you haven't quite seen before. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the Master shows up at the end, but I have a funny feeling he won't be manipulating mm. the Sea Devils again. Mm. Interesting, dude. Very interesting. I've, I've just got this image in my head now. That, now that you've said that you'd like him to be a, a sort of pirate, <laughs> uh, I've just got this feeling of him just collapsing all over the ship after half a bottle of rum and, you know, he's a little bit tippy. A bit of a Jack Sparrow kind of, like a, like a sea devil, but sounds like Johnny Depp's Captain Jack. That would be good. That'd be chibbers, wouldn't it? That'd be chibbers. Yeah. To try and appeal to a Try and appeal to the millennials, boomers, whoever. Maria, you're looking forward to this one? I, th- I think Maria's going to go the other way. I'm pretty sure. Here we um, go. Actually, oh. um, I'm, prob- I'm going to agree with everyone else. I think because um, I've actually w- watched um, the two Sea Devils stories now, I think it's kind of whet my appetite um, for obviously the the next special that's coming up. I hope that they do the Sea Devils justice because if the original Sea Devils story um, kind of showed anything, it's that you have to kind of think about the environment that you're going to introduce these um, monsters in because obviously they're meant to come out of the water and, you know, and, and you know, we were, we were treated really with the Sea Devils with all the all the kind of um, location work. So I I hope that they've gone out on location for this whole story and that it kind of, it kind of does them justice because they, you know, they are a classic monster and they, they actually looked, I mean, the trailer doesn't really give away very much, but the actual monster itself actually looks quite cute. And I I think, (laughs) because I think they said originally it was kind of based on a turtle so it actually doesn't look very menacing at the moment um, from that initial trailer, but I, I'm interested to see, you know, is it one sea devil? Is it a group of sea devils? Um, you know, how much can he do in an hour, basically, with the story? I, I, I would love it to be, a, you know, a fantastic story for them because I, I think they deserve it. You know, they're one of the iconic um, monsters. Um, and as Matt said, I think they are something that people remember. So, um, yeah, I am looking forward to it. I hope the story does them justice and I hope they've been on location and spent loads of money on it and it looks fantastic. <laughs> I can hope, can't I? Yeah, well, we're still paying the licence fee, so they better have gone out and spent a little bit of money on it. 
I can just see Chibnall with his piggy bank left of budget, just cracking it open. Like, right, <laughs> this is what we got left. Okay, so we can go to that location and we can go to that location. <laughs> yeah, the principal cast, we've got their lunch sorted, everyone else. Bring a packed lunch. It's going to be yeah. a long day. We've got no money for food. Oh, crikey, yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering if it's going to be some kind of isolated story like we've seen. What was the other pirate story, the Matt Smith, and was it Curse of the Curse of the Black Spot? Is that the one? Yeah, that was like a sort of seafaring, sort of, you know, not really like a monster feature creature sort of thing with the sea devils, but that was a sort of one-off thing with like the high seas and the whole pirate theme and stuff like that. So I wonder if it would be like that or whether they will, or Chibber, sorry, will try and um, make this one and the Centennial episode, Jody's last one, a little bit of a link and sort of mix these two together because you would think that with the whole, uh, I don't want to get into that too much, but the whole timeless child thing and potentially the master coming back, I feel like that needs more than just one more hour for her last story because otherwise we might run into a little bit of Rise of the Skywalker territory where there's a lot of loose ends and there's a lot of stuff going on. And by the time you finish, it's like, Wow, you know they, you know, you had to speed run through the story to get all of these things done, because it does feel like it's a bit of a turning point, like we had in the handover between Russell and and um, Stephen, the showrunners. It feels like we are coming up to like a very definitive, big change up and a really big, um, you know, different direction for Doctor Who once Jodie and and Chibbers has gone. So I feel like then more so than like you know the previous finales and the previous things I, I don't know it just does feel like just having one more one hour special probably wouldn't be enough to do all of that stuff for Jodie's doctor so i'm wondering if this isn't just one isolated story just to tell a sea devil story maybe it's a maybe it's got some threads that will carry over to the 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 proper finale and so on but yeah it's it's a, it's an exciting thing because as you guys have said when they've brought back classic monsters before, it's a bit hit and miss. It's a little bit like, yeah, you know, we prefer the classic monsters for whatever reason. Whereas I have got a feeling, I do agree with you guys, I've got a feeling that the sea devils are going to be, or the sea devil, which, you know, plural, whatever, that it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good romp. I'm hoping it's got a classic feel to it. I'm hoping it doesn't have all the, you know, like we've seen with, with Jodie's era thus far with, um, sort of the production values, which is a great thing. Um, but it feels very um, clean cut and very, feels very Marvel to a degree. Um, I'm hoping this is a little bit rough around the edges, you know, a little bit, um, you know, there's like, you know, a bit of noise, you know, in the picture quality, a little bit of, you know, sea salt, you know, doing arounds and, you know, I'm trying to say just a little bit, you know, not so clean cut as some of the previous stuff. So, who knows? Okay, let's do a few more questions then before we we, we wrap this up. Uh, Mark, um, do you think we are going to see some kind of resolution between the Doctor and Yaz in this Sea Devil story? Because I think a lot of people are expecting the Sea Devil, the creature itself, to be the primary driver for the story. But I've just got a funny feeling it's going to be a... Um, yeah, not as not as much as that. So do you think like I mentioned earlier about tying these threads up and whatnot, do you think we'll get some kind of conclusion or a view to a conclusion before the finale between the Doctor and Yaz? Because that has been bubbling away. Yeah, I mean, I think um, 
if we kind of take these last three specials as a kind of trilogy, uh, I guess, you know, um, then yeah, I think there'll, there'll absolutely be some, you would hope there would be some development anyway. Um, because presumably, because we all know it's not going to end well, um, whatever happens, um, because mm-hmm. Jodie Whittaker is either going to turn into Hugh Grant or, <laughs> you know, go off somewhere and, and leave Yaz behind and then go, then turn into Hugh Grant. Uh, <laughs> but so yeah, it's going to build, it's going to build to something, um, you know, and, and the doctor ad- ad- addressing the feelings or, or lack of feelings um, that they have for Yaz. We're either going to have, I mean, I just hope we don't have another Martha Jones moment, um, which is essentially just the doctor just being a bit awful <laughs> to Yaz until Yaz just decides to leave. Um, I hope it, I hope there's, there's going to be more to it than that. And I hope, yeah, like you say, I, th- I think, I think there will be a bit more in, in the Sea Devils episode, but it won't completely resolve the story because that's presumably going to be the main kind of character drama in the, in the final, the final story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, cool. Uh, Matt, do you think we're going to have uh, a full focus on the Sea Devil or do you also think that we're going to have some other stuff going on that's a bit more important? So the Doctor and Yaz, their relationship and potentially stuff to do with Dan, you know, what's going to happen with him? Yeah, I, I'd like the sea devil, the sea devil to, or devils, um, hopefully to take center stage. Um, I don't think they will. I think there's too much to wrap up with just two episodes left. Is it? It's two, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, the timeless child thing. It's really worrying me now because I've supported that for a while and I've never been against it as long as Chibnall saw it through and, and the end of Flux, I thoroughly enjoyed Flux. Um, the end of Flux left me not enjoying Flux. If you know what I mean, <laughs> it just did not come to a conclusion. So I I'm liked hoping, it, but then I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm hoping that it it will resolve itself somehow or a little bit more will be told. I think we'll be fed little droplets of information, nothing concrete. Um, and especially I've seen, I don't know if anybody else has seen the, the, the latest comic coming out exploring the origins of uh, the Fugitive Doctor. Really leads me to think that Chibnall's just going to leave it open-ended. Um, yeah. And we're not going to know any more about it. Mm-hmm. So yep. we'll see the fog watch aside, I, yeah, buried yeah. in the TARDIS forever. Yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. not forever, but it, one day. Russell can come back to it if he would like to at a certain time mm-hmm. or not. Um, that's really worrying me at the moment. But I, I also think that the same with um, what Mark just said with, with Yaz um, and the doctor's relationship. I think it, they're just going to, drip feed a little bit of information to us um a little bit of the hint of of where it's going to go where the way that people want it to go or not i i kind of feel that as mark said the whole martha storyline is going to repeat itself a little bit um it's never going to end well um so they've hopefully it 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 resolves itself in a nice way but Mm. 
I can't see it happening. Although the biggest shipper is obviously Dan, um, who's just kind of forcing it to happen, if, if, <laughs> even if um, they're not feeling it. I was going to say that the timeless children thing does open up another possibility that actually the 13th Doctor and Yaz just live happily ever after. And then Russell T's era is just, just one of the random timeless doctors that, that have now been introduced into the canon. He could literally just mm. pluck, pluck her from the, from his history. No problem. And then, you know, we'll, we'll come back to them once Yaz has got old and gray and passed away and the doctors back out in the universe. Who knows? Oh, I don't know, dude. That's just a, that's just an ease. That's just a, a pseudo reset button to me. That whole thing. It's the same with the multiverse stuff. You know, it's like the dude that woke up from a dream because, you know, everyone thought he was, was it Dallas? Everyone thought he was dead and he woke up. It was all a dream. It's like that kind of storytelling get out, like on a technicality. It's like, oh yeah, don't worry. All that stuff with Jody and Yaz, but they, they died, right? No, no, they're in this other pocket universe over here, living happily ever after. In the real universe here, this is where the real stuff's going on with this doctor. Yeah, I don't know, man. I can see it going that way to a degree, but cool. Maria, then, what do you reckon then? Do you reckon the uh, the Sea Devil uh, or the Sea Devils will take centre stage in this upcoming one, or will they just be sort of an embellishment to sort of support the, 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 the Doctor and the companions and stuff and what they're up to? Uh, I... I- I really want the Sea Devils to be a major part of it. I mean, if you're going to make the effort to actually bring them back after however many years it is, because it's been a long while, um, I, I think, you know, they they deserve to be centre stage. But um, I've got this horrible feeling. And, you know, when Mark was talking about the 13th Doctor and Yasmin going off into the sunset, I kind of had these horrible visions in my head. Um <laughs> Well, I think one of one of the most cringy moments for me was um, when Rose was with the human doctor in the alternative universe and they shared a kiss and off they went. And I think if they <laughs> kind of did something like that with the 13th doctor and Yasmin, you know, off they went and there was like rainbows and stuff like that. <laughs> I, um, Yeah, I, I don't think... I don't think I would personally enjoy it. Um, and, you know, there's been so little time to really make their story believable. I'm, I, I mean, if it had been something that had been invested in from the beginning, um, you know, I, I would have probably believed it more. But it, it feels like something that, because I, I, I read something that um, it was something that Jodie Whittaker brought to the producer's attention that obviously there was this fan base that, uh, are they called shippers? Um, yeah, that, you know, wanted this to happen and they kind of incorporated it into the story. So it, it kind of feels like it wasn't an original idea that they had and it's just something they've reacted to. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm against it but i think there's so little time to kind of make it feel believable and real and you know you because you know that um the 13th doctor is going to regenerate at some point and there's going to be a new doctor it you know how how is it going to be resolved it, it's it's going to go one way which i think is going to be you know tears um at some point um whether the next story will concentrate on their relationship, I, as Matt says, I think they would drop hints about it. I, I think some of the best stories are where you kind of 
you get little snippets of information rather than kind of seeing the whole yeah. resolution, yeah. you know, leave it, you know, give it, give us little hints, but, you know, don't necessarily tell us the whole story. Um, there's so much as, um, as the guys have said to wrap up really of this era, because there's only two episodes and, you know, what are you going to concentrate on? Are you going to concentrate on wrapping up the timeless children uh, the relationship, Phasmin. Uh, are you going to concentrate on the monster? Um, it's difficult to difficult to say. Um, knowing what Chris Chibnall does, um, I think it will be a m- mixed episode. I don't think it's going to go full monster, but um, there'll be probably a little bit of everything in there. I don't know. He's mm. only got an hour on the next story, so mm. let's see. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good answer. So, um, last question for you guys. Then let's go to Matt. Do you think? This is a, a cheeky two-part question. It's very quick. Do you think the regeneration for Jodie, ultimately, do you reckon it will be a very drawn-out, long, emotional David Tennant job? Or do you think it will be a quick flash in the pan when Matt regenerated into Peter Capaldi, that sort of blink and you miss it? And it's, you know, Do you think it's that way or the other way? Or And then lastly, Hugh Grant as the Doctor, yes or no? Shoot. <laughs> well, Hugh don't know that that's not going to happen. So it could, but um, I don't know. I think um, Hugh Grant, I mean, he would be, he would be great as the doctor. I think Um, whether or not he's too A-list, it's never going to happen, is it? But you never know. Um, He would be, he would be great. And I would, I would support it if, if, if it was true, Um, I'd be, very happy. Um, I think he'd be great. And we we obviously saw um, a little bit of that in, in Curse of the uh, Fatal Death. Um, but I don't know. I can't see it happening. Mm. And um, sorry, what was the other part of the question? Uh, the other part was, do you think Jodie's regeneration will be uh, a long emotional thing like David Tennant's regeneration? Mm. Or do you think it will be very quick, like when Matt yeah. regenerated into Peter? So I'm going to... I'm going to say none of those. I, I think it's going to be more like um, Chris Eccleston's. It's it's not drawn out. It's not a flash in the pan. So quick you miss it. Um, Smith to Capaldi. I think it's just going to be the right length because David Tennant's was way too long. It was a swan song. It was just um, I, I liked it, but it's just it went on. Um, <laughs> Uh, but Capaldi to Smiths, it's just, I think I blinked and, and then there was just somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think Chris Freckleston's would be the right length and that's what I'm hoping for. Mm, cool. So you're not up for the, uh, I don't want to go and, and all that tears, heartstrings. I loved there. it. Okay. But too long though. Okay. To go on a bit. Same question to Mark, dude. What are your thoughts on this stuff? Yeah, so I mean, I think what we're what we're all forgetting though is that Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi's regenerations were similarly drawn out. You know, the 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 Doctor uses the regeneration energy to blow up the Daleks, climbs back down the tower, <laughs> gets young again, true, true. speaks to Clara, yeah. sees Amy. You know, so anyway, um, I have an alternative, similar to Matt, I think Christopher Eccleston, but not the Christopher Eccleston regeneration we saw, the Christopher Eccleston regeneration that I think they did film, um, which was basically 
you don't see a regeneration. All you see is a thing on the monitor saying a thing is something like um, two life signs, one dying or something like oh, that yeah. to suggest mm -hmm. that. The, and then you would then open the Christmas special with a new doctor because we are at that point where, well, we don't know. Maybe they have been cast and maybe it's Hugh Grant who incidentally I think would be very good. Um, but he feels like a John Hurt kind of casting where it's like a one night only like anniversary special kind of a deal. So I wouldn't be surprised if that is what kind of happens, but we'll see with that. Um, but we don't really know who the next doctor is. So either they're going to make a virtue of that by some almighty cliffhanger that's going to lead into the 60th, you know, maybe it's going to complete, everything's going to go wrong. And the 60th anniversary is about kind of trying to bring forth the 14th doctor as it were. Mm -hmm. Or it's literally just going to be, we don't quite know what happened. We know the Doctor will do some heroic sacrifice, say goodbye to all our friends, get in the TARDIS, and then, who knows, you know, tune in in November 2023. It's oh. kind of what I'm thinking might mm. happen. Mm. Interesting. Good stuff. And Maria, what about you? Uh, yeah, I quite like Mark's idea of um, the Doctor just going off in the TARDIS and maybe we don't actually see the regeneration. Um, I, I, I am kind of quite bored with the kind of uh, upright kind of regeneration that they do and they put, put their hands out and everything and it goes on and on forever. Um, so, yeah, um, hopefully it will be kind of quite quick. I, I would quite like something actually like um, Peter Davison where he was kind of quite heroic and then you know there were these brief flashbacks of his companions and then you know he regenerated I don't think that actually took that long um but yeah not not anything too drawn out hopefully um with regards to Hugh Grant being the next doctor interesting choice um I think um Matt said he, he's too A-list, um, and I think there's probably something quite valid in that. He's been in a lot of movies playing romantic leads and or non-romantic leads, I suppose. Um, would he do it? Um, is he interested in doing it? Um, interesting choice. I think he's old enough to do it. I wouldn't mind an older doctor. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind if he came in, and do, came in and did it. I don't know whether he will, though. Um, mm. Uh, you he's, know, as, as sorry. sorry, no, I said he said that he's not doing it, but then so did Andrew Garfield. But, um, not about Doctor Who, about something else that I won't say in case people haven't seen what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> but I think he has worked with Russell before, and I think that's and Russell wanted him for the Doctor in 2004. So either this is just a rumor that's just been kind of dug up again just to sell papers, or there is something in it, like finally the stars have aligned. And they are going to work together on Doctor Who. Well, you know, time will tell. Yeah, we mustn't forget that. Yeah, so Hugh Grant turned down the role previously. He was he was offered it, wasn't he? Was it two thousand and four? Did you say something like that? Yeah, and he's uh, you know probably did his fast blinking, you know, and that was it, and job done. So I just oh, I don't know. I, I I'm struggling to get my head around. Um, and you make a great point, Mark, around. He's a sort of guy that you'd expect to come and pop up in an episode, you know, and do a one-off. Could you see that the the two things that are on my mind with it is the first one for the regeneration stuff, and this I'll be very quick, but it feels like there's there's too much of a big thing 
with the timing of Doctor Who at the moment to not make it a, a, a different course than what we've gone down previously where you have the, you know, like the sad goodbye, you have the regeneration and then it's a, the last 30 seconds of the episode is the new Doctor and the TARDIS is crashing somewhere, you know, and then we look forward to next year. I think that's, I think there's just too much going on at the minute with the 60th, with the BBC Centennial and all that stuff. It just feels like there's a big epic time bubble at the moment. So they'd probably want to do something a bit different. But with the Hugh Grant thing, if we think about to, if we think back to every single interview that Chris Eccleston did, David Tennant, Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, when they finished playing Doctor Who, was just how much they had zero time to do anything else in their life for the entire time that they were filming Doctor Who. And the schedule was so brute, you know. And uh, Adam and I have spoken about this a few times on the show, where if you look at Peter Capaldi, when he accepted the role to when he finished playing Doctor Who, he looks like absolute beep by the end of it. He's aged like an additional 10 years on top of, you know. So can we see somebody like Hugh Grant, who's probably got various big, big projects and offers on the table, just writing off his entire year to play one role on a TV show? So that's the only thing that's making me think, oh, it just doesn't feel like it's his sort of thing that he would do at this point in his career. You know, so I, I, I don't think it's outside the realms of possibility that he, that he might be, but I don't know, man. I just can't see. Yeah. That'd be an interesting conversation you have with your agent. It's like, well, you can do it if you like, but you won't do anything else. Like this is going to be your only job, not just for, I don't know how long, on average, somebody films a an average TV show or a movie. It's probably a few months, I would say. Um, so he's probably got uh, half a dozen things lined up in any year. So to just, and I can't imagine the BBC can afford to say, you would have earned, I don't know, $6 million for your year's worth of work in 2023, 2022. This year... <laughs> It's like a tiny, tiny portion of that, and you can't do any other work. So, I don't know, guys. I, I don't know. That's just my uh, my thing. So, I think I think we'll rewind and listen back to this episode, you know, at some point later on in the year, and just see how correct we were. But there's about ten other names, right, in the hat. So, so we'll see. So, I think to round this off, then Sea Devils and Warriors of the Deep. I think the Sea Devils have won it by a long margin. There's only a couple of bits that we don't mind, I guess, from Warriors of the Deep, but the Sea Devils is just the bonafide classic. You know, loads of good stuff to love about that. So that's a thumbs up on the Sea Devils. And then the upcoming stuff, Legend of the Sea Devils. I think we're actually all looking forward to it. I was surprised at Maria's answer. I thought she was going to be like, sod off, Gary. Just, you know, I can't wait for Chitters and Chibbers and Jody just to be out of the door so I can look forward to new Doctor Who. So that's good. It's good that we're all uh, looking forward to it. Oh, well, I never said I wasn't pleased they were going, Gary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. We know. But, um, yeah. I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to the Sea Devils. And um, I, I, just to say, I do still like Warriors of the Deep. There's um, some good stuff in it. But, um, yeah, the Sea Devils kind of outruns it. If there was a marathon, the Sea Devils would be kind of, they'd already have the baton and have finished by the time Warriors of the Deep comes in. Mm-hmm. I read you. I read you. Okay, dokie, let's round this out then. So, Mark, um, where can people find you out in the wild and doing your thing and your work and so on? Whereabouts are you? 
Um, I'm on Twitter at Old Man Krondas. I usually um, hawk my wares <laughs> on there. So my, my Doctor Who podcasts and articles and whatnot. So yeah, at Old Man Krondas on Twitter is probably the best place to find me or on the Time Lash podcast as well. Yes. Yep. Definitely check out Mark's podcast on the Time Lash. It's very good. Go and do that. Uh, and then Maria and Matt, you're exclusive to the Big Blue Box. So uh, if you want to check out those guys at work and, and all that, just head over to our website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can check out their uh, their articles and reviews and stuff. It's very, very cool. So thank you, Maria. It's been very good. Thank you very much, my darling. Oh, thanks, Gary. It's been lovely as always. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you for having me. It's been great to get back and talking some Doctor Who goodness with a bunch of cool guys and gals. Yes, and thank you very much, Mark. It's been awesome as always. Um, yeah, thanks. This is this has been enjoyable. I'm sure it hasn't been for you because of all my fanning <laughs> around with the, the mic button. But thank you. Yeah, it's been good, and I think we'll wrap there for the March roundtable. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you, dear Doctor Who listener, for coming back and listening to another week. A bit of a change to the schedule for this one. So Adam and I are not doing our usual episode. This has been uh, a chat with these guys about everything to do with the Sea Devils. And uh, yeah, this was the March Roundtable. So next week, Adam should be back and we'll get back to our review that we have been meaning to do now for the last two weeks, which is the next Doctor, that David Tennant story. So we'll... Uh, We'll speak about that next week. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to these guys talking about uh, all the classic stuff and I look to look forward to see if uh, Hugh Grant's going to pop up or not and uh, what's going to happen in, the, in Legends of the Sea Devils. So uh, as always, remember to follow and subscribe to this podcast in your fave podcast app. We put a new episode out every Friday and we'd love to have you come back and listen weekly. So if you're a new listener, you're just finding the podcast, then we do one of these every month, by the way. So the April roundtable, we'll find a subject and we'll talk about some some Doctor Who stuff there as always. And um, uh, next week, yeah, we should be uh, service as normal. Um, for the uh, these guys' uh, reviews and articles and opinions, all that stuff, head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. And um, as Mark said, you can find him uh, on the on the Time Lash podcast. Uh, we're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Link's on the website and we have a free Discord server. So check that out as well. The link is on the website. Right, you two, uh, or you three, uh, we're going to round out now with our outro, as we usually do. So until next time, remember... Uh, hey.